thank you so much, praise team, choir and praise band. Let's pray together and ask God to meet us now in the study of his word and the fellowship of his presence. Father, I'm so grateful for your salvation. It must be miserable to live life devoid of God. I I can't imagine never ever desiring to talk to God, never ever worshiping on the weekend, never ever opening a book called the Bible, never having a conversation where God's name was not used in profanity. It must be sad not to know God. Scripture says it's a person who's a reprobate, a person who's lost without a shepherd, scattered. We believe that. So for us to be here is no boasting on our part because the Bible says you demonstrated your love toward us and while we were still sinners, just like everybody else, while we were still sinners, Christ came seeking us out to save us. You didn't just wish we would be saved. You paid an awesome price for us to be saved. And you tasted death by entering the grave so that all men could say he went the journey just like me. He was rejected and despised. In some cases, some of you have been abused. He was abused. He died. We all will die. He was buried. We'll all be buried. But praise God. He kicked the end out of the grave and came alive that we could have life everlasting. And so in this Memorial Day, our Father, we remember the greatest warrior of all who stood in the battle of battles on the valley confronting Satan to destroy the works of darkness, to crush the head of the serpent, and to set his people free. This is a great celebration today. And our memorial today is for our King Jesus. We're so grateful for you. But we don't look back to a man who lived and died and is gone. We look to a living Savior who's very much alive and soon coming to get us. And so today we gather with praise and anticipation of what you're going to do today and what you're going to do with us in the days and years to come until Jesus comes. Begin in our hearts today a fresh work. For those that don't know Christ, begin a work of salvation that they leave this place knowing Jesus. And for those of us that know Jesus, help us to leave this place today more in love with the Savior than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, I'm going to ask you just to listen. We're eventually going to wind up in the book of Joshua, but it's going to be a circuitous route to get there. So bear with me just a minute. I'm so glad on this Memorial Day to have a chance to speak to you. And I say to those of you that are guests, typically I'll bring a message on our nation and something about our nation's history and the history of Memorial Day. I can say Memorial Day is disputed of where it began, like anything else where it began uh, in more than one place at one time. Everybody says we were number one. We do know this. It was somewhere around the spring of 1865. Some say 1866. We know this. It was designed really to decorate the graves of the, of the Union soldiers in the North. They didn't, obviously in the North, they didn't honor the Confederate dead. They honored only the Union soldiers. But in the South, the Confederate widows and mothers were, were wanting to honor the, the fallen by decorating the graves. And it was called Decoration Day. And so somewhere around 1865, 66, somewhere in there, just shortly after the war between the states, this, this began. And it originally was just to remember those who died in the Confederate, uh, in the war between the states, whether Confederate or Union. And then around World War I, it began to be a remembrance of everybody who ever paid with their blood for us to have liberty. And so we honor today Memorial Day, but I want to do something a little bit different. You see, throughout the nation, there are all kinds of national memorials and monuments. Some of you stood and if you have, you stood for a while and just 
took it in. Some of you stood at Arlington Cemetery, row upon row of crosses as far as you can see. It's very powerful, very gripping. You have one similar to that at Fort Gibson, not as big, but the same principle at Fort Gibson Cemetery. If you've not been there today or tomorrow, it'll be a good day to drive out there and just take a minute and realize every one of those crosses is somebody's husband or son or father or wife or mother or daughter. And just stand there a minute. Some of you have been to Pearl Harbor, and when my dad was in Hawaii, I got to go, and I don't think you quite can fathom the moving experience that is till you stand over the USS Arizona on that memorial and look down and can still see the outline of the ship. It'll get you. Today we have various ways to commemorate the day called Memorial Day. Some will remember a specific person, and if I'd ask some of you in this room and say, Pastor, I I remember my grandfather, he died in, or my father died, or my brother died, or my sister died, and you'd have the name of a person. But for most of us, it's a group remembrance, and we can all be grateful for those that served and gave their lives. Memorials are not just a part of our our nation, but they're a part of our faith. Spiritual markers were put in place by God in Scripture to help us remember key things, and I don't have time to walk us through the markers of Scripture But there are two that really get to me because they both have Christian roots and today both are being maligned. It's sad that the rainbow has become a picture of debauchery in our culture. The rainbow flag is not about the promise of God. It's about the promise of perversion. But rainbow is really designed by God. It's interesting that the people who would want to walk in perversity take the symbols of God. That's not by accident. Satan is our enemy. And so he takes the symbols of God and gives them a new meaning that is absolutely erroneous and degrading and blasphemous. But Genesis says God promised after the flood that he hung his bow in the clouds. Both men made a covenant. Both entities made a covenant. God made a covenant with a rainbow having killed every living thing except eight and the animals on that boat. When Noah got off, he too offered a blood sacrifice. He killed some of the clean animals and he committed a new walk with God Almighty through a blood-cut covenant. God had killed the earth from its iniquitous, sinful flesh and hung a rainbow as the marker of the covenant between God and man, never to destroy the whole earth by water again. I could remind you of the marker of the Passover. We celebrated last Sunday the Lord's Supper comes directly from that spiritual marker when God set his people free and he said when you gather on the 10th day of the month you kill a lamb and on the 14th day and you celebrate this feast of the Passover to remind you the day I delivered you from Egypt also for Christians the Lord's Supper reminds us the day he's delivering us from our sin into the kingdom of heaven there are spiritual markers that are meaningful it's amazing that throughout the Old Testament God reminds us don't forget God (laughs) <laughs> I mean, first, when you read that, you want to laugh. Don't forget God. <laughs> don't, don't, don't forget God. Is that even possible? Oh, my, yes. Over and over, it says, remember the Lord your God. Don't forget his benefits. Why would that have to be in there? Because we become so, uh, uh, so uh, routine-oriented where we do the same stuff day after day after day. We say, God, I don't need you on Monday. I know exactly what I do. Get up at this time. I jog a minute, eat some wheat bran, and I go to work. I work for eight, ten hours. I come home, grab something to eat, pick up the house. And a little while I'm in bed, and I do that five days in straight rotation. I don't really need you. Did you forget God? 
Did, 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 you, did you remember God each week, each day of this past week? Or is this admonition to remember God just a redundant something somebody wanted to put filler in the Bible? The sad thing is we do forget God. Nations can forget God. We're in one of those. Isaiah chapter 1, just listen. You don't have time to turn to all these passages. You can get them on the tape or get them on the recording or I'll send them to you if you want them. Isaiah chapter 1, a whole nation, the people of God had forgotten God. It says, hear me, you heavens. God calls on the heavens and the earth as his witnesses because there's only God is eternal. Man's flesh dries up and goes away. So he calls on heavenly bodies to be his witnesses against this, this group of carnal, believer, carnal man, men who come and go 70 years and they're out of here. And so God, it's as if he's in a courtroom and he says, hear me, heavens. Listen, earth. So he's calling on heavens and earth. I want you to be my witnesses. I created the heavens and the earth before I ever created this dusty thing we call mankind. I want you to be witnesses of this court session. The Lord has spoken. Here's what he says, Isaiah 1, 2. I, I reared children. I brought them up. Uh-oh. But they rebelled against me. Anybody here? I, 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 I had children. I brought them up. But they rebelled against me. He says, it's sad, God, in essence, you hear him pondering, it's tragic. The ox knows its master, the donkey, its owner's manger. But Israel, Israel does not know me. My people do not understand. Woe to this sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. Listen to this. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Can a nation forget God? Oh my. Churches can forget God. Revelation chapter 3, we so often use that passage in evangelism. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would let me in, that's not written to a lost person. Revelation 3.20 is one of the seven churches. It's found within the chapter 2 and 3 of the letters, the seven churches of the last days. And the sad thing about the church at Laodicea, Laodicea means the people's church. <laughs> I think we're there where there's more interest in, we want to affirm you than we want to tell you the truth about God. You know, people used to come to church and weep over their sin. Now they come and want to hear how good they are and laugh about sin. Something has shifted. And that's the shifting of the church of the last age. The Bible says the church of Laodicea didn't even notice. Was God in the room? I don't know. But wasn't the music powerful? Was God there? I don't know. But that pledge moved me. But did you meet God? Well, I don't know. The pastor mentioned his name. Did you really meet God? I don't know. We got to get to lunch. You know, they, they crowd up afternoon. Did you meet God? You know what the Bible says in Revelation 3.20? I'm outside. Anybody, anybody, anybody seen God? Who, who is that at the door, I wonder? Don't they know we're having church in here? The bulletin says time for the sermon. Who in the world would be knocking to get in church while we're having church? Who would that be? Who, who would that be? You know what he said? If anyone. Some of us say, well, I don't feel like getting up. I'm really comfortable. Have we got a teenager to get up and go answer the door? Have we got a child? If, if anyone, anybody miss God? If anyone would open the door, I'd come back in. Anybody miss him? Can a nation forget God? Yeah. 
Can a church forget God? Yes. Can people forget God? The Bible says in the book of Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, pray for Demas. He has forsaken me because he loved this present world too much. Nations can forget God. Churches can forget God. People can forget God. But the tragedy is God's our very life. So without him, we can't live. He's our creator, redeemer, sustainer. He's the one who delivers us and protects us. On this Memorial Day, we've taken time to remember those who paid with their lives to give us freedom. I want us to take a minute and remember God. I think we need to remember he's with us. That's the thing that amazes us, makes us different from all other world religions. From the very beginning, it's God who came in the cool of the day walking without him. Man didn't somehow try to reach up and find him. God came walking among them. God created them. God walked with Adam. God created Eve for Adam. God walked with Adam and Eve. God gave them everything to enjoy. God gave them a job. God gave them an opportunity to have fellowship with him unbroken. God talked with them. It's just like you'd talk with your friend today while you're having lunch. God was there. He was present not only in the Garden of Eden. God was with Noah when all the earth was bad. He found eight righteous people. And for the sake of eight righteous, he spared the world. God loved Abraham. And the Bible says he walked with Abraham to the point he said, would I keep from Abraham what I'm going to do? Abraham is my friend. God walked with Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. He walked with Israel in a cloud of fire and a pillar, a pillar, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He, he was walking with his people. And then came Jesus. He came and dwelt among us. And Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send my spirit to live in you because God in us is God with us. And that was the promise of the Almighty. How can we forget somebody who bought us, renovated the house we're in, and filled us up with his glory? How can we forget him? Hmm. God reminded Moses that when military, military force is needed, and it's always been needed, Nobody longs for war. Nobody wants to send their best 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds off to battle and come back maimed or even post-traumatic stress disorder. But God said this to the children of Israel, Deuteronomy 20, when you go into battle, you remember all the years that Americans had to go to battle and the churches would fill to pray for the warriors? Do you, some of you old enough, you white-haired folks in here remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. First time I was a little boy in Humboldt, Tennessee, and my daddy said, we're having a prayer meeting tonight. And I seemed like he's a Monday night. And I said, why? Dad, we just at church yesterday. Wednesday, going back. Why would we meet tonight? He said, son, there's something bad going on in the world. We need to pray. And I got to church. It was a Sunday morning crowd on a Monday night. You know why? Because America was afraid if they shoot those missiles 90 miles off our shore, we're going to be engaged in one killer war. I remember when 9-11 came and some of you got to the church early that morning after hearing the news said, Pastor, are we not going to open the church for prayer today? I said, absolutely. How many of us gathered recently pray for our young folks that are in Iraq and Afghanistan? See, over time we, we forget, don't we? God said, when I call you into battle... Deuteronomy 20, when you go out into battle against your enemies and you see horses and chariots and people that are greater than you are, don't be afraid of them. Now listen to this. Deuteronomy 20, 
For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up out of Egypt, and it shall be when you're come near to the battle, the priest shall approach to speak to the people and shall say, Hear, O Israel, you approach this day in battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not. Do not tremble. Neither be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goes with you and fights for you against your enemies to save you. How is it we were victorious so many battles through history? Well, we just got a good military. Well, we do. But I've known good militaries that didn't make it. What caused us to continue to see supernatural acts in the battlefield? Have we forgotten the one that made us victorious? God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, it's conditional. He said to Joshua, after Moses had died, Joshua, as I was with Moses, Joshua chapter 1, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you, Joshua. I'll not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now listen, this condition though. See, we think God will be with us whatever we do. No, that makes God an accomplice to evil. If you walk out of here and live a life of debauchery and say, well, God's with me. No, God's with those who walk with him. You live out there in debauchery. You're saying, God, I don't think you mind if I do this. Come on in and commit this sin with me. I, I, know, I know we're buddies. Boy, are you mistaken. Listen to the condition God put on Joshua. I'm, I'm not going to leave your sake, but, but here's what you need to remember, Joshua. Be strong and courageous, Joshua 1, 9, that you, may observe, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the law to the right or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it and on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then will you make your way prosperous, and then... You will have good success. I think we've forgotten God. God renews and strengthens the promise that he's with us even in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians six nineteen says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Spirit of God? Don't you know it is it's the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You were bought at a price. Glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. He will never leave us, says in Hebrews 13, 5. God remembers us because he's with us. But secondly, he remembers his promises. Don't, don't you get frustrated with somebody say, oh, yeah, I'll do that for you. Oh, I, I promise, I, I promise I'll do that for you. And you check with them three, four, five days, say, did you? Oh, you know, I forgot that. And that's their pattern. Quick, quick to step up, slow to deliver. Quick to volunteer, real slow to come through. Bible says God doesn't fail to come through. God makes a promise and he stands by it because he is true. Listen to this. God promised he's going to be with us. He did it for, he, he did it for Adam and Eve, even in the garden. He did it for Noah. But here's what we need to remember. The promise he made. Noah built an, ar uh, an altar to the Lord when he got off the ark. And he took every clean animal and every clean bird. And he offered them his burnt offerings on the altar. And God said, this rainbow is a sign of the covenant which I made between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign for you. God said in the book of Jeremiah, the day is coming when I'm going to make a new covenant. 
You see, we have two mountains. We have Mount Sinai, that's the, that's the covenant of the law. It always has, I'll be your people if you obey the law. If you do not forsake the law. If you do not fail to do the law, then I will be your people. That's a dangerous covenant because we're frail and we're probably not going to keep it and we haven't. And thank God there's a second mountain over in the New Testament called Mount Calvary. You have Mount Sinai, which is the giving of the law by Moses. Mount Calvary is the giving of grace when Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the law, every jot and tittle, said for all of you that did not measure up to keeping the law, and that's everybody, for all that have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that's everybody, for everybody who has come unto the law and found condemnation, come to me, for I have fulfilled the law and I will pay your penalty that you may go free and millions have come to the foot of the cross to say thank God there's a second mountain we don't live at the base of Sinai we live in the glory we live in the glory of Golgotha and by the way there's one more holy mountain coming and it's the day the Lord Jesus comes and picks us up and scoops us up and takes us as victors to the ultimate kingdom of God there at Mount Zion in glory we shall celebrate with the God who delivered us by fighting our worst enemy, crushing his head, bearing his power, and setting us free. That's what we remember. And that's our memorial day because we have an eternal promise. And guess what? God has not forgotten my promise, his promise. Thirdly, we need to remember God because the scriptures tell us we are prone to forget. I don't have time to read you the list. Can I just read a couple from each of the prophets? Listen to this begins with a psalmist. Psalm 106, they forgot God their Savior who had done great things for them in Egypt. Isaiah 17, you've forgotten the God of your salvation. Isaiah 57, 11, and you did not remember me nor give me a thought. Jeremiah 3, 21, they have perverted their ways and they've forgotten the Lord their God. Jeremiah 18, 15, my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless gods. They have stumbled from their ways from the ancient paths. Hosea 8, 14, Israel has forgotten his maker and built palaces and Judah has multiplied fortified cities. What in the world could make us forget God? Well, there's several things. Prosperity. <laughs> prosperity. You see, prosperity makes us think, well, look, I, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. You see what I've done? Do you, is that the way you describe your lifetime of success? Or do you say, can I just say how blessed I am because God Almighty chose to be so good to me? Nothing I have is mine. I'm just a steward. And by the way, it's like a game of Monopoly. And when you and I die, it all goes back in the box. We tend to be forgetful. Prosperity can cause us to forget God. That's why God warned Moses in Deuteronomy, when you've eaten, in a, when you've eaten your fill, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given to you. But when you've eaten and are full, that's the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord and disobey his commandments and his regulations and his laws. God warned them 3,400 years ago. When you've eaten and are full, you better not forget the Lord your God. Oh my, pride can cause you to forget God. Nebuchadnezzar, who was considering, the Bible says in the last days of his life, Nebuchadnezzar, 
<laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, who considering the great city of Babylon, boasted, just look at this great city of Babylon. I, by my own mighty power, built this beautiful city. It's as royal res- royal residence and an expression of my royal splendor. And God took him down. Popularity can cause you to forget God. Paul wrote, if I were trying to please people, I would not be a, child, a, a servant of Christ. Personal will can cause you to forget God. God said to Jeremiah, my people have stubborn and rebellious hearts. They've sinned against me and chosen to practice idolatry. Well, I want to close by sharing with you one story from the account of Joshua. If you want to turn there, you can. Joshua chapter 4. I want you to see what God says to Joshua about remembering the Lord because I think it's such a powerful text. If you remember the story, Moses has died. Joshua has now become the leader in chapter 1 of uh, verse uh, uh, chapter one of the book of Joshua, he says to Joshua over and over, be, be of strong courage, be bold. I'm with you. I'll not leave you. I mean, why do you have to repeat that? Because somebody's fearful. I don't think you're going to do for me what you did for Moses. And so God comes to Joshua chapter four and the Bible says that the, the, the people are moving across, uh, moving across the Jordan river. Now you remember there are two great water stoppages in, in the history of Israel. One was on the, at nighttime when they had left the land of Egypt. And the Bible says Moses is facing the, the Red Sea. And behind him are the charioteers of Egypt. And here are, all, here are all the people of Israel, two million strong. And they're hollering and crying out in the night. Did you just bring us out here to die? And you remember God called on, uh, no, uh, Moses called on God. God, what are you going to do? Our backs are to our enemy. Two million people are thinking we're about to perish at the, at the hands of these charioteers. The sea is in front of me. I have nowhere to go. And God said that one thing that most of us hate, be still. Don't you just hate that? Don't you do one thing, just be still, be still, be still. And know that I'm God. Be still and I'll show you the salvation of the Lord. Raise the rod of God out over the Red Sea and you'll find an east wind is going to come. And when he raised the rod of God out over the sea, here comes this, boy, you're talking about powerful I've been in straight line winds in Oklahoma and that little trailer winch would rock and roll. How strong do winds have to be to part a sea? (laughs) And they didn't have Doppler radar. How strong would that wind have to be to push the sea back so far? There's standing water on both sides for two million people to walk through and strong enough to immediately dry the land like a supersized hairdryer as it's coming through. The Bible says when he's told him stand still here, suddenly the Red Sea parts and two million people walk through on the other side. And did I mention it's dark? And so everybody's on this side of the sea. All they're seeing is nighttime and a sea open. They're thinking, oh me. But the Bible says on the other side where Israel was crossing the sea, the Shekinah glory of God was radiant. So the children walked through with landing lights. (laughs) That's a good story. I wish y'all read that. That's a good story. Now I want you to see what else happened. Now they're getting ready to go across the land of promise. Forty years later, Moses is dead. Joshua said, well, I think our best days are behind us. You know, we've wandered 40 years and now he's dead. God said, watch this. Living Bible. God said, watch this. Look at chapter 4 of Joshua. The entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. And you remember what happened? It says, when the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant stepped into the water, it stopped and push back and push back. And now the bed of the Jordan, just as God had opened the sea for deliverance, he opened the Jordan River for entry. Boy, I like God. Look at this. Choose 12 men. Look at this. Chapter 4 of Joshua. Choose 12 men. 
Verse 2. From the people, one man for each tribe, but command them, take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan. Take 12 stones. Are you listening now? How many tribes were there? 12. Take a stone for each of the 12 tribes from this place. Where? In the middle of the Jordan. So he said, I want you to walk right down there. Find some big rocks down there in the Jordan and pick up the biggest rocking vine. A man could get the biggest rocking vine and take it from the middle of the Jordan and take it over there where we're about to be. That's the picture. So here's what happens. Take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan where the priest's feet are standing. That means as long as they're standing there, the water is going to be, be held back. Carry them with you and set them down at the place where you spend the night. In other words, don't put them, don't put them where you came from. Put them where you're going. Listen, when you walk with God, you turn your back on where you came from. You put your promises in the land where you're headed. You don't always dwell in what you used to be. You look forward to what I'm going to be by the grace of God. You don't look at all, all, all the shortcomings and failures. You look at all the promises and the blessings. He said, you take those stones to the other side and you set them, set them there. And verse 4, Joshua summoned the 12 men selected from the Israelites, one man for each tribe, and said, go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each one lift a stone from your shoulders. Verse 6, this will be a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you at this memorial, tell me what these stones mean. When your children ask you, why, why, why is America free? Mom, Dad, why do we celebrate Memorial Day? Why, why, why do we have July the 4th? Why, why do we have Thanksgiving? The Bible says, teach your children when they rise up, sit down, lie down, and walk in the way. Are we doing that? He said, when your children say, and they come back to the place where you cross, which means the people are going to regularly come back there and say, that right there was the beginning of our new land. When you bring them back and they find this stone column of rocks, and they say, what do these mean? Verse 7, tell them this. The waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's waters were cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial. And the Israelites did just as Joshua commanded. The 12 men took stones in the middle of the Jordan, one for each of the Israelite tribes, just as the Lord had told Joshua. They carried them to the camp and set them down there. And look at this. Then Joshua did something on his own. He obeyed God for the nation, but here's the man of God who says, I'm not done. Have you made a commitment yourself, Dad? Have you made a personal commitment to God yourself, men? When your son looks at you and says, Dad, why don't you go to church? Or why do you go to church? Do you answer him because I love the Lord God and I want you to love him too? Joshua did something as the man of God. Verse 9, Joshua... Joshua also set up, now listen to this, don't miss this. They got the stones from the middle and went to the, to the shore. Joshua set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant was standing and the stones are there to this day. And the priest carrying the Ark continued staying in the middle of the Jordan until everything was completed that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people in keeping with all that Moses had commanded. Do you see it? God said, I don't want you to forget me. I don't want you to forget me. He said, I want the 12, one man from each of the tribes. You take a tribe, a stone for your tribe. And I kind of suspect these stones were stacked so that, and they're pretty good size. It came up maybe like a, 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 a cone. 
I'm not sure they had enough flat rocks that could build a column, but it was headed toward a column. So, something stuck up above the ground. And it was going to be unique because you see stones stacked on top of each other. You realize whoever comes later, that's man-made. That, that must be the place they crossed. So now I've marked the, the path that we came through from the wilderness wandering. I'm now standing on the holy ground of God's new promises. I'm standing here at a place where these rocks are standing. And I'm mindful these rocks are a symbol that our God delivered us from bondage. Our God delivered us from the wilderness. Our God brought us as a new people because two million died in the wilderness. And I'm the children of those who came out of Egypt but never got to go into Canaan. I'm the one who was birthed somewhere in the wilderness and got to enter the land of promise. And this rock monument means the world to me because it means the rock of ages delivered us and I'm a free man. He said, tell your children. You understand we're one generation away from anarchy and tyranny? Tell your children. Tell your children. But then here's what he said. Joshua says, don't, don't move that ark just yet. See, see, there's the external commitment that everybody's supposed to remember. But if all you have is an external faith, oh yeah, we show up on Sunday, every Sunday, we do. But Monday through Saturday, you walk in darkness. The Bible says you lie and do not the truth. You have an external performance. You have no internal relationship. You have an external facade, but do you not have a walk with the Father? And Joshua said, it's enough for the tribes to have this monument, but I want, I want that personal monument because that ark in the, in the middle of the Jordan stopping the waters reminded me as God stopped the Red Sea and parted it for Moses and us to cross. Moses is gone, but the same mantle of God's blessing is now on me, Joshua, to lead this people. And so I've got to gather. He didn't say, you men help me. It says, he gathered 12 stones. It's always more challenging when it's a personal commitment. Will you? And so he's working harder. Each of the other men got one. He got 12 himself from the very same middle of the river. Wonder by then if he had to walk a little ways to get them because you know men are going to get those closest and easiest to bank. But now he may have had to walk a little ways. Not that Jordan's huge, but when you're carrying a rock, it's too far to walk at any pace. And he said, I don't just want a national monument. Here I raise my own Ebenezer. Thus far, God has brought me. And by God's help, because he said, I will never leave you or forsake you in a moment. When we step out of here, the waters are going to cover these rocks. But I will always remember when I stand at the national monument right there. Right there in the middle of that Jordan River. I may not can see them with the eyes of flesh, but I know where they are with the eye of faith. Right there as a man, I made my commitment. God, I will do what you've asked me to do, to lead as you've asked me to lead. And God is my helper. I will never forget the God of my fathers. And he made a personal commitment right there. And when the water's covered, it's like baptizing a sacred oath. So here's his personal Ebenezer. And every time he came back by Gilgal and saw those rocks, God, thank you for a nation and for the blessing of a nation. And I think he'd wait out a little bit so he could get just a little closer. And God, thank you that right there on that day, on the 10th day of the month, 40 years exactly the day they left Egypt, they crossed the Jordan. 40 years to the day. 
Exodus 12 matches Joshua 4. 40 years today, God right there, 40 years today we walked out of Egypt. I'd been walking with you, but under the shadow of Moses. Right here, I moved from the shadow of Moses to the shadow of the Almighty. And right here, Lord God, I will walk with you. You want to know what Memorial Day is? Do you remember where you said, I will walk with God? Where was it for you? How old were you? Who, who, who was with you? What, what brought it about that you said, today's the day I'm going to say, I give my life to God? you remember where that is for you? Oh, oh we have the national monuments. Today's Memorial Day. But Joshua said, if there's not first a personal commitment, then this one's going to lose its power. You know what God said to the church at Revelation? Church at Ephesus, it was so rich. Had so much stuff. Doing so good. God said, you better remember, you've left. You've left. You didn't lose it. You left your first love, remember. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I'm going to come and quickly remove your church from its place. That's what a lampstand is, unless you repent. Memorial Day is the day we remember God's goodness, isn't it? I want to share with you one quick thought, and we got to go. It was Julia Ward Howe, H-O-W-E. She was touring on a mountain a hilltop in Virginia, the 6th Wisconsin Volunteer Infantry. The year was 1861, November. The gentleman with her and her pastor who was with her challenged her. They, they were singing the words of, and I don't have time to go into it, but the words of an old, an old song that became the early, the early song of the Union about the death of an abolitionist named John Brown. And some of you remember studying school, John Brown's body lies a moldering in the grave. And that's what they'd sing, oh my. And so the preacher who was with her said, Julie, I wish you'd come up with new lyrics that would say something to these troops so as they go out to battle, they'd realize the loftiness of their conflict, the Union fighting secessionist states of the Confederacy. Julia Wardhouse says, that night I went home and I went to sleep and within moments these words started flowing and she said, I really can't take credit for writing them for I got up in the darkness for fear I would forget them and barely with just a little bit of candlelight I etched out in its entirety the words of this song. I waited until the phrases were full and then I got from my bed, got an old pen I'd been using earlier and best I could in the darkness I wrote the verses and the stanzas. And that song didn't come to me known John Brown's Body Lies Moldering in the Grave Part 2. It came to be known as the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. You may have forgotten all the verses. There are some that didn't get published that she wrote. May I read two that you may not know, and then a third you do know. God has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never sound retreat. On this Memorial Day, do you believe we're in a battle that should not be retreating? It's called cultural war. God has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never sound retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before His judgment seat. Be swift, my soul, to answer Him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Now listen to this. 
I've read a fiery gospel writ in burnished rows of steel. What does that mean? I've seen the gospel of men standing at attention on a battlefield ready to take those rows of steel and either shoot or bayonet the enemy to the death. I've seen a fiery gospel written in burnished rows of steel. As you deal with my contemners, that's not a word we use every day in Oklahoma. It means to despise or to scorn. Those who would despise or scorn. It says, I deal, as you deal with my contemners, those who despise me, so with you my grace shall deal. God says there's always somebody who's going to despise you, but when you stand for that which is right, my grace pours out on my righteous people as those who are unrighteous come to attack you. Let the hero born of woman crush the serpent with his heel since God is marching on. He's coming like the glory of the morning on the wave. God is wisdom to the mighty, He's honor to the brave, so the world shall be His footstool and the soul of wrong His slave. Our God is marching on. Glory. Glory, hallelujah. Glory. Glory, hallelujah. Glory. Glory, hallelujah. Our God is marching on. Happy Memorial Day. Stand with me and let's pray. Lord God, in the service this morning, it may be those who'd say, I'm not in the battle, Pastor. I'm not in the battle standing for spiritual truth because I don't know Jesus. Then, Father, I pray you'll give them that unction of courage necessary like Joshua, who was afraid and he heard the voice of God say, be not afraid, have courage, be courageous, stand like a man. I pray that anyone today in the valley of decision that needs to trust Christ, they will come right now. Thank you.